This is a GRDC podcast. And I'm Tony Crowley. In this podcast, you're going to hear about frost mapping. It involves big data sets being transformed by algorithms to model how frost events impact crops across different terrain. Developed by CSIRO, the modelling tool could in the future help growers rapidly understand the extent of frost damage so they can make timely crop management decisions. The analysis will also provide valuable insights to help shape future crop management planning. This frost mapping project is just one investment related to GRDC's key investment target strategy for frost. Spatial data analyst David Gobbett from CSIRO Adelaide is one of the senior scientists involved in the frost project, which, as he explains, is comprised of two parts. One component was looking at assessing frost damage and there were people from Victoria and University of Western Australia and DPI in Western Australia and so on all contributing to that work. The component that CSIRO has been more involved in is what we call the spatial mapping component where we're developing maps of minimum temperature at farm scale. So generally thinking in terms of what farmers can make direct use of How long has the project been running and what's been happening up until this point? In 2016 we had our first field deployment where we deployed large numbers of temperature loggers. So we had two field sites, one was in Hopeton in Western Victoria and another in Mintaro in the mid-north of South Australia. The Hopeton site was a 5 by 3 kilometre area, Mintaro was 4 by 4 kilometres and across those two areas which covered several different farms we deployed button loggers in amongst the crops or across the crops and used those loggers to monitor or record minimum temperatures or temperatures were recorded every 30 minutes. From that we determined at each point what the minimum temperature was that night. We also had a weather station in each of those sites for more accurate reference data. So that was the first component. From that data we then started developing a statistical model The idea being that a farmer or a landowner could put in one temperature logger or a weather station on their farm and our model would then be used to generate maps of temperature across the entire farm. So we're talking about after a frost has occurred, taking the data from that weather station and generating a map of what the minimum temperatures might have been across the entire landscape. The following year we deployed smaller numbers of loggers at six sites across South Australia and Victoria with quite different geographies. So we wanted to test our statistical model at different sites. So the reason for that was that the statistical model not only used the temperature from the weather station, but it used what we call terrain variables. Terrain is, for a start, the elevation, but also the range of elevation or the complexity. It could be the aspect or the slope and those things drive where cold air might move, they drive how much sun falls on the landscape and so on. So our model used the terrain variables plus temperature to sort of make this maps of minimum temperature at farm scale. The model we've developed should be usable at any location in the grain growing areas of Australia. 
So this is sort of taking the experience that a grain grower might have of putting out loggers and recording temperatures themselves and then referring to the closest weather bureau station to them and then trying to get a more accurate sense of what's happening on their property. Yeah, so this comes back to the need for this work. So, for example, if you're a farmer in Mintaro, South Australia, the nearest Bureau weather station is in Clare, which is 15 or more kilometres away, and it's over a range of hills. And it's quite clear to people in Mintaro that that weather station doesn't tell them what's going on on their properties. So one example of a uh, frost in one night at Mintaro the Clare Bureau of Meteorology weather station recorded a minimum of two degrees, so not below zero. A local weather station on our site recorded minus 1.2 degrees. And when we mapped the data from all our loggers, we had temperature variation across that four by four kilometre area of three, four degrees at least across that landscape. So it really reinforces the point that you need local temperature measurement and that there's a large variation in in temperature across the landscapes. Where we're fitting in is to try and find a way of providing farmers with much more locally specific and also timely information on what minimum temperatures might have occurred. Now, the value to farmers of that is after a frost has occurred, or in some cases it might be they didn't even know a frost has occurred, but they can then go out to the areas shown on our maps and use that to start to look for where damage has occurred to assess the crop and look at what severity of damage. From that they make their decisions as to how to manage that crop going forward. If it's too severely damaged to harvest they might graze it or cut it for hay. And the other component is the pre-season decision making so these maps can be combined to show which areas are overall at higher risk of frost and farmers may choose to either not crop areas that are specifically high risk or choose to manage that land in in other ways that's different because of the proneness to frost in those areas. So part of our work was to look at how stable the patterns of minimum temperature were across the landscape. So we've we've shown that you know over a three month frost season for example that the cold areas are usually the same cold areas overall. There's a lot of variation but that really validated the the general principle that that some areas are more frost prone than others and that also then feeds into this planning aspect which enables farmers to make plans for their cropping season of what to do in particular frost prone areas. From what you've found using this modelling is it supporting what you suspected was always the case or is it showing there are much more complexities to it? So after our initial data collection across these two sites of four by four and five by three kilometres, we generated some animations from the entire data sets using all of the different loggers. We generated maps of what was going on. Although they were logging every 30 minutes, we, we generated these animations with one minute time steps. Although it showed the broad patterns of, of drainage and, and movement, there was also a whole lot of ebbs and flows and, and a lot of complexity to the air movement that's going on that we simply can't capture in a model but it was also kind of a bit of an eye-opener because we had this preconceived idea that that cold air would drain from high points down to low points and pool and aggregate but it's far more complex than that so these animations we developed were quite an eye-opener from that point of view. With this information it's not going to be the whole story it'll still require growers to take a look at crops it'll still require growers to to keep doing what they've been doing. So the key thing there is that 
that farmers or growers are more interested in what damage has occurred, not what the temperatures were. So they, they will still need to go out to look at their crops to assess the damage of the crops. And in future, the other component of the project, which is looking at sensors and so on that might detect frost damage, we, we can hopefully bring those two components of the project together at some point to sort of generate better maps of frost damage rather than maps of temperature, which don't tell the whole story. David Gobbert, CSIRO Adelaide. A growth sector in the world of R&D is machine learning, where computer technology is used to automatically create algorithms to process huge data sets and then recognise patterns, classify and predict outcomes. Machine learning could be applied to the second component of this frost management project, which involves assessing frost damage to broadacre crops. But as they say, that's another story or podcast which you'll find is now available on GRDC's online podcast page. I'm Tony Crowley. Thanks for listening. Listener.